from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Greetings. Welcome to everyone listening in from around the world, across the United States and Canada, through the UK, down through Europe, across Russia, Asia, and over to Australia. And we even have listeners down on Antarctica. And I know that because I had someone reach out to me, a military person who was down there. Um, so I think we are covering all of the continents, and it's great to have you here, across the United States, Arkansas, all the way up to Idaho, and... Uh, British Columbia, all across. It's great to have everyone here. We are in a counseling episode tonight. Uh, this is not a lightning round. It's a Thursday, so this is a counseling episode, and we've got a great guest with us. But before I introduce Christian, I want to let you know that I am joined in studio, as always, by the faithful KC and the ever-faithful Rob on all things technical and deep voice, beautiful baritone resonation things. Right, right here by your side. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right here by your side. Good Thank to you. have you here, Rob. How are you today? Just fine. Thank you. Ready to go. What's new and groovy in your life, Rob? Uh, you know, I, I can't get past the program is just everything and everything else just doesn't matter. Wow, God bless you. All right, that's fair. Well, we have a guest this evening, Christian, who is exhausted. And tell us Christian's story, if you would, please, Rob. You got it, Sven. Here's what she said to us. My whole life has been one big clusterfuck of several or several of varying degrees. Survival mode is all I know, and I'm tired. Tired mentally, emotionally, and physically. I'm tired of all the pain, grief, and fear I carry every day. I have recently realized just how alone I have always been after some events that completely rocked my shit. I've realized just how fucked up my life has been, the damage I've taken, damage I didn't even know I had. Social anxiety, depression, people-pleasing, overthinking, to name a few. Even down to my sense of self where I don't even know who the fuck I am. I'm learning and trying to figure myself out, climb out of the dirt I've always been in. I am just trying to heal myself and need a little help doing so. Thank you. Signed, Christian. Christian, it's great to have you on the show. Hi, Sven. It's good to be here. It's, it's great. Where are you uh, calling in from today? What part of the world? Um, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, I love <laughs> that. I, I'm always reminded of this song because I drive I-80 across the U.S. a lot. I've driven all the major highways across the U.S. And I'm always reminded of on a long, lonesome highway on east of Omaha. I mean, you put you in Iowa, heading on 80 right through Omaha. I love Omaha. All right. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, let's just go ahead and dive right in. Are you a little nervous today? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> Very much so. That's all right. Well, let me ask you, what's the scariest part, Christian? Um... I don't know. It's just like meeting you. I've actually, I've watched your TikToks. I have your book. Um, I watch your TikTok lives and everything. And so I'm a little, you know, nervous meeting you sure. um, and getting into it. It's very, I'm very interested to see like what, what we're going to get into, Fair. you know, and what's going to manifest itself, I guess. So, sure. Sure. Um, yeah. All just right. A little nervous. That's all right. That's normal. And uh, you're perfectly safe here. And you're not. I'm not going to hurt you or let anyone else hurt you. Okay. <laughs> all right. You state uh, your whole life has been a big clusterfuck. 
um, of, uh, of varying degrees. Survival mode is all I know. Since when? When did survival mode start for you? You say it's all I've known. When do you recall it starting? Oh, uh, I even think back, even my first, my first few memories as a, as a child, as a toddler. What do you remember? Well, one of my first memories, I guess I was uh, dehydrated. I think I was a toddler and my mom told me and I had to get a spinal tap, which wasn't fun. So, (laughs) wow. um, yeah, things like that. But, um, my family uh, situation that I was born to into was very, um, very chaotic. And when you say time. chaotic, what specifically do you mean? Help me understand. Uh, well, my my birth was chaotic. Um, I was a surprise. Okay. Um, my biological mother claimed that she didn't know she was pregnant with me, and until I was, you know, here, you know, and um, she sort of um, accidentally went into labor in the middle of the night and woke my mom up and said she had to go to the hospital. And here I was. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. My biological mother didn't know she was pregnant with me. And so she woke my mom up and went to the hospital. And there I was. Yeah. Um, my mom is, uh, when I say my mom, I mean my Gotcha. That's, She's the one that's what me. I figured. Yeah. <laughs> and so she didn't know she claimed, you said she, did you say she claimed she didn't know that she was pregnant? Is that what you said? Correct. So she yes. claims that. And usually when we say, oh, he claims he doesn't owe me that $40, uh, what we're really saying is, I don't believe him. Or, you know, he, I, or, you know, do you not believe your mother in claiming that she was, you know, she didn't know she was pregnant? No. I, well, I never did, but it also came out that she admitted um, to my aunt, her sister, that uh, she did know she was. But that was sort of what she was saying at the time, Um as you know, because that nobody knew, like, how did this happen? Now all of a sudden there's a baby. And so she the story that she was giving her family, uh, our family at the time was that I didn't know I was pregnant. Uh, and then you use the word admitted. Just out of curiosity, how much longer later did that happen? That I don't know. I found out about it um maybe about eight years ago. Oh wow. Um my aunt told me um it was like shortly after my grandfather passed away. And um, uh, some random conversation, and my my aunt sort of mentioned it. Uh, approximately, you don't have to give me specifics, but approximately, how old are you, Christian? I'm 39. You're 39. Seven years ago, Grandpa dies, and then it just sort of slips out of the bag from your aunt that your mom had admitted to your aunt. So presumably, they are sisters. Uh, yeah. Okay, admitted to your aunt that she knew that she was pregnant. Yes. Do you? Do you Hear the sequence of events there. Grandpa dies, and now all of a sudden, the secret comes out from Auntie to you that Mom had admitted. Now, the word admitted, when do we use that? (laughs) I admit (laughs) I cheated on my taxes, but I only admit it after the IRS caught me. I admit I stole the cookie. Admit means uh, to put forward, to send forward. When you're admitting, it means you're guilty. So for your mom to yeah. admit, that implies, and not only does the word imply it, but that means if she knew she was pregnant and she kept it silent. Yeah. 
She didn't tell anyone until decades later when she tells your aunt. So you're 32 when auntie tells you. Now, we don't know exactly when auntie told, or when your mom, your biological mom told auntie, but your mom knew. Correct. But the secret isn't safe being out until grandpa dies. Yeah. Isn't that just an interesting sequence of events? That is very interesting. Yeah, well, I never thought about of that. Yeah. Why would mom hide <laughs> yeah. that she was pregnant? Oh my God, this is the virgin yeah. birth. You know, the angel came to me and now I'm pregnant. I don't know how it happened. I am curious. Either mom is incredibly petite and it just didn't show or the other direction. You know, how, come on, come on. What my grandmother and mama, what she said was that um, she was of, of a heavier set. <laughs> we are we are of the thicker persuasion. And um, she, I guess I didn't sit like straight out. I was sitting funny uh-huh. in there or whatever. So yeah, no one had any clue. Is mama, your grandmother, is she still alive? No, she passed away in oh, uh, 2015. I'm so sorry. The reason I ask is because this we're using the word admit. We're, we're finding this information out after grandfather dies. It's just an interesting sequence of events. And there may be nothing there, but the mere fact that your mom kept it secret. Well, there is a fucking story there. And it makes you wonder if mom and mama, your grandmother, and were keeping yeah. a secret from grandpa. Who was it that your mom didn't want to know? When someone doesn't admit that they're pregnant, just out of curiosity, how old was your mom when she had you? 20, in her late 20s. So maybe like 28. And out of wedlock? Yes. Do you come from a religious home? No. Well, sort of. Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah. What do you believe grandpas, or possibly grandma and grandpa, what do you believe their beliefs were when it came to, you know, uh, getting pregnant out of wedlock? Um, mama was okay with it, like, uh, as in it's not uh-huh. like the end of the world. Um, she probably would have had a lot more shame with it as far as my grandfather. And by that, her. you mean he would have been pissed? Oh, he was pissed. Right. And, he, and <laughs> so then, okay, so now the story is unfolding. He was pissed that night when, oh, we're at the hospital. Oh, he was. And the interesting thing is you, it almost makes you wonder, how many, just out of curiosity, how many um, siblings did your mother have? Uh, just the one, my aunt. Just the one other one. Okay. So your, your grandma, whom you call mama, she had two kids. You yeah. don't think she knew damn well yeah. when a woman is pregnant, when her kid was probably pregnant. Now, maybe she did, maybe she didn't, but it stands to reason that potentially she knew the whole time, but she knew that grandpa would be pissed if word came out. So they pushed it off as long as they could. What I'm trying to get at here is what's the family fucking story? Because before you were even born, you were born. If, I mean, think about this. If grandma had to eat shit at grandpa's hands and it's mama, what did you call your grandpa? Oh, uh, Willie C. Willie C. All right. So mama and Willie C. Yeah. Mama and Willie C. We get the story that basically she would have eaten a lot of shit at Willie C's hands. Right, oh, yeah. not necessarily hitting, but but being pissed and all that. Yeah. Right? Did yeah. you say that? Yeah. Okay. So what that means is you were born into shame. You were born into a culture, and not just a culture, an immediate culture. The culture of your family was that you were seen with shame, 
by the most powerful person in your life, Willie C. Right. And, and which begs the, then the next question, why is it your mother didn't raise you? She was 29 when she had you. Why was it? And I'm not scolding. I'm just curious. Why did mom not raise you? Oh, what I sort of taken into my own was that she, she's not a nurturer. She just, she's not a person that can have kids. Like she just doesn't, I don't know. It, she's just not a nurturing kind of person. Um, Fair. How many, how many kids does she have? She has two. I have an older half sister that is eight years older than I am. Um, she, le- uh, she gave birth to her at, um, she was 17 when she, Oh, wait a minute. If she's eight years older than you and mom gave birth to her at 17, that means you were born when mom was 25. Ah, 25. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Math. I, math is confusing for me, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I was a math major and that's why I wasn't anymore because I found out it was confusing for me. So where I want to go with this then is she got pregnant at, she had your sister at 17. Correct. Oh, wow. Now, if she had a sister at 17, having you at 25 isn't nearly as bad as having your sister at 17. But nonetheless, the message was still, she was still hiding it from potentially Willie C and mama or mainly Willie C when you come around, but she had already been through it once with your sister. Well, yeah. And when she, when she had my sister, um, she didn't take care of her very well. She wanted to like go out and party and live her life. So mama told her, you know, if you're going to go out, just leave the baby here. And so that's sort of how like mama started to raise her. And then she was in and out with mama. And then she came back. She was only back for like a month. And that's when she was pregnant with me. No one knew. Oh, so she checked out when she was 17. She left her daughter, daughter with yeah. mama yeah, yeah, at 17 and basically checked out for another eight years until she shows back up with you in her belly? Yeah, she was in and out off and on in between okay. that eight-year okay. period. But yeah, she gotcha. was like gone. She came back for a month and here I am. And what do you remember being said in your home, for, either from Willie C or from mama? What do you recall overhearing about your mother in general um well Lise was the back the black sheep of the family she was very like the irresponsible person um there was a drug issue at one point and were there ever words like uh gosh she's so irresponsible or yeah why can't that child get it together or i mean do you recall any sort of messages or thoughts or dirty looks or sideways glances or anything that indicated how your the people who raised you mama and willie see what they thought of their daughter yeah that she was she was the disappointment disappointment because my aunt was on the other end of the spectrum she was the good one ah golden child and a disappointment yeah all right the good one how did it feel when you would hear people talk about your mom, your biological mom, how would it feel? And maybe it was nothing, but how did it feel when you would hear Willie C or mama talk about your mom? I didn't really feel anything. I don't really recall ever having any kind of like bonding or connection with her. With your mom. Have yeah. you ever, in, in your adult life, have you ever felt lament over that, either in your childhood or in your adult life, felt disconnected and wishing you were more connected or wishing you had some sort of connection with your mother, biological mother? Um, well, I'm in contact with my biological mother, um, but it's not, we're not close, though. 
on your doing or on her doing? It sort of it sort of fell into place because Mama, you know, her health wasn't that good. And so she ended up living with her for a little while. So to see Mama, I sort of ended up having to see her. And I was in my 20s. Okay. Is it your desire, if you're to be totally honest, to have a relationship with your biological mother or not? Outside of what it is now, no. What were the messages then that you got about yourself growing up? How were you treated? What sort of words? Was there sort of a disappointment, black sheep, uh, good child uh, relationship? You know, you had an eight-year-older sister. What were the messages you got about you? Oh, okay. Now we're going to get into it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Um, what above all else, what are the messages above all else that you most remember receiving about yourself from childhood? Um, I got the trifecta, um, unwanted, <laughs> um, my feelings don't matter that I do not matter. And, um, um, yeah, and I'll never be good enough. I pretty much got the trifecta. Not good enough. Your feelings don't matter. All right. And just out of curiosity, what, what is the one sentence you recall that most conveyed the message that you weren't wanted? What sentence or what thought would you hear or how would you get the message that you were unwanted? My older sister told me that it was my fault that our biological mother left because I was unwantable. Oh, God. Wow. And do you recall, just out of curiosity, and it's okay if you don't, do you recall what age you might have been when you first heard that from your older sister? Probably around seven. It was shortly after she left. For the last time? Yeah. All right. Seven, about seven years old. Yeah. Seven. Okay. And uh, how would it have been conveyed uh, that you were not good enough or that you were no good? Well, you conveyed how unwanted was conveyed. I mean, it was literally explicit. You know, big sister told me it was my fault mom left because you were unwantable. Right. Jesus. Yeah. She was very abusive. Oh, you think? And she's 15. So the power imbalance is, is ridiculous. Yeah. How would you, you're no good or you're not good enough. Uh, how do you recall that being conveyed to you? What message specifically do you recall getting that would have conveyed that? Um, for me not being good enough, I think the majority would have to be do with my weight. Um, I was a heavier of the thicker persuasion as a kid. And um, mama put it on me that it was my problem. It was a me problem that I was fat. And um, I was like, I don't know, 12, and she's putting me into Weight Watchers. And it's, you know, it's my fault and that I am not pretty because I'm fat. Oh. And I'm not desirable because I'm fat. Wow. If I would just lose some weight, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> wow. And you said that came from mama. That didn't come from sister yeah. or Willie C. That came from mama. Correct. Wow. That it's my problem. It's my fault that my weight is so big. And it's my fault that I'm not pretty and I'm not desirable. You got those messages. So your biological mom is checked out. So now the two most powerful people in your life are your mother, your father. And then the third is your older sister. And so from two of the three most powerful people in your life, you're getting some extraordinarily powerful messages, destroying, shattering that little, little girl's soul. Well, how did you get the message that you don't matter? What specific messaging do you recall, if any? And if you don't, that's okay. Oh, yeah. No, that that comes from Mama also. Because <laughs> she was raised old school. So she had that old school thinking of you're a child. You don't have feelings. Mm. You don't, you know, it's not about anything that I want or I don't have a personality. I'm just a child. 
So like, you know, she forced me to do church things that no, we didn't want to do. She never cared about anything that I wanted to do or took the time to get to know me or spend time with me or even play with me. I have no memories of my grandmother even playing with me mm. or anything like that at all. It was, there was, there was a lot of neglect on that side because she was just watching TV, going to bingo on the weekend and leaving me alone with my abusive half sister. <laughs> mm. And, and then when it came to me talking to her about the abuse that was going on with my sister, she was very keep the peace. We got to keep the peace. She didn't want any any anything ruffling feathers, so it, it was just swept under the rug. It didn't matter. It wasn't important. What did she fear such that she wanted to keep the peace rather than fixing the problem? What did she fear if things weren't calm and the peace wasn't there? What did she fear happening? I think she just didn't like it because she was raised in a lot of anger. Oh. Her mother was a very, like, she was, her mother was an alcoholic and a very angry, she was like the disciplinarian uh. and the one in charge. And she, and so I think that sort of resonated with her. So she was just above all else, keep the peace. Even if it means a little kid being abused by their older sibling, even if it means, you know, putting that, you know, that little child down and so on and so forth, just keep the peace because she, when she was a kid, there was so much turmoil and chaos, which was the word you used to describe your own childhood. There was so much turmoil and yeah. chaos that she couldn't handle it, didn't want to handle it. And so it's basically like, you kids figure it out behind closed doors, not my problem, shut the fuck up. Just, I can't deal with it, basically. Yeah. Oh, yes, boy. Correct. That, that This is juicy. But we'll be right back after this short break. I'll continue <laughs> taking Christian deep right here on the Badass Counseling Show. I counseled with Badass Counseling for about four months, and Sven completely turned my life around. He kicked my butt. No shit. He made me do homework, too, but I was so ready for a change that I just did it all. I'm telling you, he changed my life. Thank you so much, Badass Counseling. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. And we are back with Christian, and we're diving into the past of her childhood, and her memories are really vivid. Christian, you have a lot there. And it's interesting, I have so many clients, Christian, and people on the show who have childhoods that they've forgotten, that they don't remember. And uh, you may have heard me say before that a lot of times a child's brain will shut those things down because it's too painful to think about. Well, here we've got you where you can boom, 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 rattle off all these messages that for a child would be extraordinarily painful. And so your brain never shut them down um, and some brains don't, whatever. And in a way, it's a blessing that you do remember because it's much easier to see them and address them and so on and so forth. So I got to ask this question before I sort of circle back on the three different messages you got that you're unwanted, not good enough, and that you don't matter. Mm-hmm. Where is Willie C in all of this? Oh, uh, my uh, mama and Willie C, they divorced a long, long before I came along. Gotcha. Um, because he was an awful awful person <laughs> may he rest in peace um and in what way was he most awful towards you or that you saw oh um well the stories that i heard of how he treated mama in their marriage horrible 
And um, and even he was a scary man. He had a hook. Like it was a thing. And uh, he, wait, wait, wait. I have to ask a hook. As oh, in, he lost his he lost his right hand in an accident at work. And okay. so he had an actual hook. Gotcha. Yes. OK, just wanted to make sure. Okay. So, he was a very scary man, but he was very he was very stern and he would like poke your fat or something and say, what is that? Or, you know, be mm. very like belittling. Belittling. OK. All right. Yeah. But yeah, you're how old when he's sort of out of the equation? Oh, he was never in my equation. OK, fair enough. Um, but you said he would poke yeah. your fat and be belittling. So that's that was like on um, like if there was some sort of like a church like on Sunday or I did he didn't live with us or anything. Okay. Um and I yeah we only saw him maybe about like once a week at church or if there was like I don't know Christmas. Well, see this a holiday that makes sense. That makes sense. This changes the equation of what we were talking about earlier. Then that it, how we had talked about well when Grandpa died the secret come you know Auntie shares it with you about what Mom told her. And if your auntie was the golden child and mom was a disappointment, it's quite possible she was all too happy to share it with you because then she maintains her status as golden child and mom maintains her status as uh, black mm. sheep and auntie continues to look good. I mean, it's like when when Willie C. left, you know, you got the story of what your grandma told you, but who the hell knows how much of that was true? I mean, maybe it all was true, but you get to yeah. rewrite the story. To the victor go the spoils, right? And so if True. you're under the same roof as her, she can tell you anything you want. You're a fucking kid. You believe it because we believe the adults that love us or claim to. Um, so who the hell knows what the real truth is? I mean, maybe it is all of everything you said. I'm not saying you're a liar. I'm not saying anyone's a liar. I'm just saying sometimes yeah. we shade the truth. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so then, but that sort of shatters the notion then that your mom kept the pregnancy secret because originally I said, well, maybe kept it secret from your dad or from her dad, Willie C. Her dad, yeah. Right. Yeah. And maybe that was some of it, but it almost seems to imply she might have, I mean, because your mama, your grandmother seems like a rather wrathful person. So is it possible that who your mom was really, your biological mom was really hiding it from was not her dad, but in fact, her mom? Probably, yeah. I mean, think of the chaos. If mama doesn't like chaos to the point where she's letting her, your sister kick the shit out of you and, my, and mama doesn't really care, uh, imagine how much she disliked the notion of a daughter who has an, uh, you know, a pregnancy out of wedlock and then has another one and all the chaos, the bitterness that she must have towards her own daughter that you made me raise your kids now I know, oh, yeah. yeah, I know I can speak for a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, or 60s who have raised their kids, and then one of their kids has a kid and doesn't take responsibility. So now I'm left raising your kid, and you love the grandchild, and you love your own child, but there's a part of you, a very human, natural part that says, what the fuck? What the yeah. fuck? Oh, I got to raise another kid? I'm back in diapers now? It's like, oh, yeah. mother of God, and I've still got 13 more years, and then they're going to be a 13-year-old. Oh, Jeez. So it's quite possible there was bitterness, resentment on the part of mama towards your biological mom. Oh, yeah. In which case it raises the possibility that the real person your mom was hiding the pregnancy from was her mom. Yeah. The wrath of her mom. I want to go back to, before coming back to what you just discussed, I want to go back and mention a few things in your paragraph. Mm -hmm. I've been in survival mode. Survival mode is all I know. I asked you how long. You said, oh, shit, basically since I was a child. Child. Yeah. Toddler. Okay. Yeah. And and so in that case, what do you think, I know it sounds dumb after everything you've just told us, all the messages you got, but what do you think it is that you've been surviving? 
What's the worst part of it all? Was it an abusive older sister? Was it messages? Was it just no one wanted you? Was it neglect? Was it you were bullied at school? What what was what was the worst part of your whole fucking miserable ass childhood? I think it's the neglect and not being wanted. Because hmm. from my more recent um, experiences sort of rocked my shit, as I said in my paragraph. Mm -hmm. What um, was it? It's Oh, um, I, <laughs> I sort of ended up getting rejected by, um, I had this great experience and apparently it wasn't as great for the people I was with and I ended up getting rejected mm. and the rejection that came from that is what sort of rocked my shit. Mm. And it sort of surprised me on how much it affected me. It drudged up the whole unwanted just everything bingo of course it did how long ago did this event happen the rejection happened shortly after i moved out here so that's like what um i would say the fall or the winter of 2021 20 okay so it's covid you move out to yeah. omaha nebraska from roughly what los angeles of, from la all right uh you moved from la in the middle of covid to Omaha, I got to ask, a uh, job or a man or what was it? It was, well, it was, it was, a, it was mostly my job, but it was also, I needed to get out of the situation that I was currently in, in LA. Um, I was in a long-term, very toxic relationship um, with my now ex and I couldn't move. I couldn't physically move. And right. so we, and we were together for like 10 years. And finally, um, then I met the people and um in I omaha sort of, not in la in omaha in omaha right yeah. i met and? the people in omaha and it was the experience was just everything and i thought i had like finally found my people i go back to la and i try to figure out okay i have to like change my life i have to make a life that i want like i can't do this anymore and then my job also with um, COVID, I got a new position and it happened to be in Omaha. So it's sort of like everything just sort of came together that way. And I moved and I thought I'd have, you know, the better job, the people that I thought I had found my people. And I got into a car I hadn't driven in 13 years and I got into a car and drove across. <laughs> Good for you. And That's good. All the way out here. Yeah. And so then you built and, up this group of friends, it sounds like her, this group. Yeah. And then the ultimate sort of breakdown of it all was, uh, briefly, how did it happen? The main couple that I was with, it was um, a sexual romantic thing, because mm -hmm. uh, it was part of the kink community oh, okay. that I had gotten into. Yeah. I love and, the kink community. Um, good people. Good people. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It sort of fell apart because when I had my first experience with them on the visit, when I had it, it was great, but the female of the couple that I was with apparently had a lot more problems with me that I knew. And there was a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of red flags while I was there, but I sort of ignored them. Mm -hmm. And um, there were a couple of instances that weren't so great while I was there, but again, I ignored them. <laughs> and so when then, when I came out here at first, it was great with the couple mm -hmm. um and then the group of friends that they already had like everything was great but it really just sort of deteriorate nothing was discussed with me about any further boundaries and walls just sort of got 
put up mm. and I didn't know what was going on. So now and, you are left all by yourself, literally in the yeah. breadbasket, dead center of our country uh, in a great city. But you are all alone. I was. I have. I've managed to make a couple of friends from work. Oh, wonderful. That, um, recently. Yeah. From not that long ago. And they've been very good and very supportive of me. But all last year was was like a very bad downward spiral. Mm. I was completely alone. Um, I started therapy because I needed bigger guns. I I got suicidal. Mm. I it it took me down very hard. Okay, downward spiral in 2022. Got therapy. Suicidal. Just out of curiosity, if yeah. you were going to kill yourself, how would you, how were you thinking you would have done it? Sleeping pills. Sleeping pills. And what is it about that that is appealing for you? Because you, it's pain. Well, at least I think yep. it's painless. You just go to sleep. Gotcha. And you're gone. Gotcha. I hear you. And sometimes in life, the pain gets so bad that that seems like the only option. And you know, you know my story. You know I was there. 12 years, suicidal depression. Yep. And so um, my heart goes out to you on that one. And I know I get that. I get that. So yes, of course, that broke your heart. I'm, I'm so glad you've actually found some friends, you know, from work and building some relationships. And I'm so happy for you that you've gotten a start uh, with regard to your counseling. And of course, it drudged up all the shit. So you're move out in the middle of the country, you're on your own, you thought you had a, the start of a community, and then you, the walls get put up and you are out in the cold. And of course, all those feelings of rejection, unwanted and no good and not pretty enough or not desirable or all that crap now gets right, right back up to the top. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that implies yeah. then that that group or other people that you knew in LA before that, that they were that buffer. Well, they like me, so I must be good. I must be likable. I must be wantable. But then when that whole group walks away, then that those voices come up. So as long as I have someone or someone's here li liking me, being nice to me, wanting to touch me or wanting to be friendly with me, kind to me, yeah. then all those voices from childhood, they go down, they go. But when those people leave or reject me, all those voices come right back up, right? Yeah. You said that, drudge all the way. Well, and so let me ask you just out of curiosity now. Mm -hmm. So- yeah. You use the word tired, tired uh, multiple times. What's the most tiring part? What's the hardest part about where you are right now? Well, right now, it's just living with all the grief. The grief. The grief of and just loss. Loss of... What's the biggest thing you thought you had or thought was going to be forever or, or what is the biggest loss that you are grieving most besides my cat that passed away oh no uh, i'm so sorry how long ago was that um that was in october of last year oh god that hit me yeah it was like on top of everything else and then my cat died <laughs> no i um, i totally get that what was yeah. your cat's name his name was max max and yeah. okay. And so Max passed away and that was on top of everything else. And so Correct. of course, Max is going to be the huge loss. What was the other loss? The biggest loss that you are grieving most besides the death of Max? The real, it's the realization that when I visited that couple that time and I had like the best time of my life, mm -hmm. I was alone the whole time. It was all in my head. It was only me having the best time of my life. Like it, I was alone there, just like I was alone as a child. 
So and then when you came out and visited that couple, you were alone the whole time. And so it echoes, as you said, if I'm hearing you correctly, it echoes my childhood. And that is really deep down what you're grieving is you were alone the whole time. Yeah. That you didn't, you had no one pouring love into your love cup. And worse, right. even as if that's not bad enough, worse, you had a, an older sister. Well, and not, well, you had an older sister pouring pain and grief and ruinous words into you but it wasn't just her it was mama as well so it's not yeah. just that someone was neglecting me and not putting in love they were they were actually putting in horrible messages and i want to go back to those right now so yeah. and and not only were you alone but you were unprotected correct and and so let me ask you a very strange question i know you've never had a relationship really with your mother never felt your biological mother never felt connected although mm -hmm. you have this relationship now but you know, you have no interest in anymore. Um, and just the reason, uh, just out of curiosity, the reason you have no desire to have any greater relationship with your biological mother is what? Because, uh, like, I text her once a month to sort of make sure she's alive. And, like, I, you know, I generally care about her well-being. You know, I don't want her to suffer or anything. Why don't you want that, so. any more of a relationship with your mother, your biological Correct. mother? Why? Yeah. No, I'm asking why. I just, I guess I just don't like her enough as a person. What is it you dislike the very most about your biological mother as a person? Be honest now, dig deep. What is it you really dislike about her? I guess, okay, I do hold a little bit of resentment. For what, above all else? Yeah, above all else is like, I hold that little bit of resentment but, because while I may not, I would never obviously pick her as a mother, yep. but I still was like the person she gave birth to. That's right. And she just sort of skipped out. And so you resent her the most for leaving you? Yes. Skipped out. And as a result of her skipping out, what? Well, how would it, if she had stayed and maybe been somewhat of a fucking responsible person in the world, how would your childhood have been different? Above all else, what what would be the biggest difference? Well, the biggest difference was that uh, my sister wouldn't have taken it out on me. Exactly. And furthermore, maybe if she were a real fucking parent, she wouldn't have let someone say things to you like, uh, it's your fault you're not pretty, you're not desirable, and, you know, you're a child, you don't have feelings, you got to do what I want, and, and uh, you know... Just keep the peace. Suck it up when your sister's beaten on. And so it wasn't just your sister. It yeah. was mama, your grandmother. Yeah. She was laying into you just as much as your sister was, you know, yeah. at least verbally. Am I correct or am I mis misstating it here? Sometimes, yeah. Well, wait yeah. a minute. You said, I asked you, what did you learn? Uh, how did you learn that you were unwanted? And you said, big sister told me it was my fault that mom left because I'm so unwantable. So you're getting blame and shame from your big sister at eight, seven uh, or eight in there. I said, how did you get the message you weren't good enough? You said, mom, mama was always talking about my weight and she had me in Weight Watchers and it's my problem. It's my fault. And that's why oh, okay. I'm not pretty and that's why I'm not desirable. I said, how did you get the message? Who gave you the message? You didn't matter. And you said, mama. Well, mama was, you know, your grandmother was old school. You're a child. You don't yeah. have feelings, you know, and I was forced to do things I didn't want to do like church things. 
I have no memories of play. And she just did TV and bingo. And she left me alone with my sister. And when I brought it up to her, she told me, yeah, just basically keep the peace, keep the peace. So of those three messages you're getting of unwanted, not good enough and don't matter, only one of those are you attributing to your sister. The other two are you're attributing to mama. That's true. Yeah. And I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Well, and that indicates to me. There's a big fucking blind spot there. So I'm going to ask you potentially. So I'm going to ask you this question. And it's, and I, okay, stay with me here. Cause you just said, you know, I dislike, you know, what do you dislike the most about your mom, your biological mom? You said, well, I feel resentment. I said, for what? You said, well, for skipping out. All right. And then I sort of asked, well, what would be different if she had stayed? And basically you, you said, I wouldn't have had to eat my sister's shit. To which I said, and you wouldn't have, if she had been a good parent, you wouldn't have had to eat, you know, mama's shit either. Right? A good parent would protect their child from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Yeah. And no one was protecting you. You were this sweet little girl, and people were being mean to you. And not just big sister, but big sister is an easy target because she was safe. You could call out big sister, but to say to mama, your grandmother, wait a minute, or not even to say it, and she's dead now, but to even admit, wait a minute. You fucked me over just as much as my sister did. You maybe even fucked me over more. A, because you allowed it to happen. You even yeah. told me to shut my fucking mouth. B, you were pumping just as bad of messages into me as my sister was. You're telling me I'm fat. I'm not pretty. I'm not desirable. You're an adult. You're supposed to build up a child, mama. Yeah. Fuck me. I Let me ask you this question. Yeah. If you were to be totally honest with me, and you're doing great, Christian, you're doing so great, and I admire your openness. I really, really do. If you were to be totally honest, who do you feel, If you, and I need you to dig deep here, all right? Okay. Who do okay. you feel more animus, more anger, more resentment towards, your biological mother or mama? Mama. Say more. I feel more, not necessarily anger, but hurt more. It's more hurtful than anger. What do you feel most hurt about from mama? She was an adult. Oh, yeah. Because my sister, even though she was she was physically abusive also, as well as emotionally abusive. Okay. Okay. Fair. At the same time, like, she was a child, too, even though she was eight years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And she got her own shit rocked, you know, from 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 dealing with, you know, everything. Of course, her mother left her. And so it had to come out some way and it came out on me. Like, I can wrap my head around that. Right. Doesn't make it okay, but I can wrap my head around it. But mama was the adult. And while I wasn't physically her biological child, she did sort of agree to take care of me. Right. And... She fell short, <laughs> needless to say. Well, well, yeah, and think about that. One of mama's own children runs away from her, doesn't want to be around her, right? Leaves her, both her kids there and doesn't want to be around mama. Um, your older sister is feeling the effects of that and is feeling neglect and alone. And then you're feeling unloved and getting crud put in your love cup by mama. Just out of curiosity, did mama uh, give love to your sister? Did she give different messaging or shitty messaging to her too? She got uh, shitty messages too. 
Um, my sister ended up being the, out of the two of us, the bad one, and I got more attention. Okay, so it sounds to me like everyone, except your precious auntie, every single person under mama's care basically got shitty messages and doesn't want to be near her or at least got shitty messages. Your mom, your sister, and you. Yeah, and I wouldn't say necessarily that nobody wanted to be near her. Why would you want to be near someone who's treating you like shit unless you're afraid of walking away from them? True, yeah. Okay, and so back to this. I asked you who you had more anger towards, and you said towards mama, but it's more hurtful than anger. Um, I'm yeah. going to be really honest with you. All of that hurt, of course it's hurt. You were yeah. hurt. This person who had all the power told you all these horrible things about you. And and you seem like a lovely person to me. I have no doubt that you are. You're articulate, you're smart, and and just very open and kind. And you got all these shitty messages, and it was bullshit to begin with. Can I ask you a, a very simple question? Um, in yeah. your in your lifetime, have you known a lot of kids? Um, yeah, I've known some. Yeah. Have you ever known one? like a baby that was bad? No. Right, <laughs> right. Babies aren't bad. Children yeah. don't come out of the womb believing that they suck. Ch children, they cry because that's what children, that's what babies do. And when kids yeah. are young, you know, they test the limits because that's what kids do. They're learning about their environment and so on. But they aren't bad. When you were two, yeah. four, six, and seven years old, you weren't bad. But you were getting bombarded by all these messages that were saying you were. No child is inherently bad. You were a lovely little girl. You were wonderful because all little girls are, because all little boys are, all non-binary children are. They're beautiful, right. right? But then you're getting bombarded by these messages and none of the adults in the room were protecting you. And so that stuff just sunk in and sunk in and it hurt and it hurt and it hurt and it hurt and it hurt. I don't doubt yeah. at all that you have massive pain inside of you that more of it needs to come out. But natural response to hurt, to pain, is also anger. And I'm willing to bet that when you were growing up, because of mama's aversion to chaos, and because your sister had all the power, and because you were taught that your voice, your feelings don't matter, I'm willing to bet, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I don't mind being wrong, that anger was not allowed. You were not allowed to be angry. Is that accurate or inaccurate? Oh, that's accurate. Yeah. Exactly. Yet anger is a natural response to someone hurting you. Anger is actually a defense mechanism. It's a response to past pain, present pain, or potential future pain. It's a response to keep the individual safe. But you had that stripped from you by you not being allowed to express anger. You had no mechanism. That is a child's internal mechanism to protect themselves. And you had it stripped from you. But here's the thing. My mother always used to say, you know, she had all these sayings about children. And then I shared one with her that I learned over the years of my counseling practice. And I said, mom, children shout loudest when feeling heard least. And I remember her, her howling and her just howling, whoopee. She's like, wow, that is really good, Sven. That was her phrase, whoopee. Um, and anyway... <laughs> But that's, that's it. <laughs> Children shout loudest when feeling hurt most, not least, when feeling hurt most. People shout loudest when feeling heard least. But you couldn't shout. Your voice, your feelings, your anger had been stripped from you. Here's the thing. No, and anger is a response to that perceived pain, right? Well, inside of anger 
is the word no. No, you can't treat me that way. No, that's not fair. No, you don't get to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Right. Inside of anger is the word no. But here's the thing. Inside of no is the word I. I don't like how this feels. That's not fair to me. I don't want to do that. If you tell a child their anger isn't allowed in whatever way, no chaos allowed here, or I'll, I'll, you want to see anger, kiddo? You want to get angry? Oh, I'll show you anger. All right. In whatever way, if you strip a child of their anger, you're stripping them of their no. Their ability to fight back, to stand up for themselves, which means you're also stripping them of their I. I don't like this. This doesn't feel good to me, right? So by mm -hmm. you, by them stripping your anger, you lost your identity to the point where you literally even said that in your write-up. I don't even know who the fuck I am. Exactly. You had yeah. it stripped from you at a very beginning, that I. And the key, one of the keys to you finding your I is for you to unlock the anger that you were never allowed to feel. I don't buy for even two seconds. I don't buy for even two seconds that you don't have anger inside of you. Anger, potentially rage, potentially hate, hate towards mama, potentially towards your sister, potentially towards your biological mom. You fucking bitch. You fucking left me with this fucking animal of a sister or with this woman who just rejected me. Why couldn't you be a fucking grown up? You know what, mom? You were 25 when you had me. And you know what, mom? I'm a, th even if you never say this to her face, you have to slay yeah. that mother voice inside of you. You have to slay mama's voice inside of you. But my, my voice, I'm a 55 year old man. I know a lot of 25 year olds who are actually really fucking responsible people. Yeah. Or even if they're just getting on their feet, they have big hearts. They know what's right and wrong. So mom, what the hell's your problem? What the fuck? You knew how your mama was. She probably knew even better than you did. She knew longer than you. You're seven years old. Your mama, your birth mother had been eating your mom's mama's shit for by the time you're seven, she's 32 for 32 years. And she dumps you to protect herself and all the party and shit that was probably to escape from all the messaging that she got from mama yeah yeah so i i would if vegas were giving me odds you know what i say i'd bet my left nut that you have a <laughs> massive a massive amount of rage inside of you because that little child never got their feelings heard you had to you said it mama was old school you're a child you don't get feelings right yeah. and that means that that little child was stuffing all of her authentic feelings of sadness, of anger, of rage, maybe hate, of, of disappointment, of frustration, of feeling betrayed, of feeling alone, all of those feelings yeah. got put into that cigar box, got closed, wrapped up with duct tape and got stuffed down deep inside. But then all the negative messaging and all the bad feelings and the sadness and so forth accrued over the years. And so that cigar box got full. And then so you took out a vault at the bank and you made your night deposits into the night depository slot of all the pain, all the sadness, all the pain, all the sadness, and all the bullshit beliefs you were taught about yourself. You're unwantable, you're unlovable, you know, you're no good, you don't matter. All that got stuff into that vault. Though Those became the messages. And so they chew you up from the inside. And so what's anyone gonna do? What's anyone gonna do as they become a teenager and into their 20s and 30s? They gotta find some way to numb all that pain that's chewing at them from inside. One of the definitions of, of depression is anger turned inward. It's all that pain that you weren't allowed to express. The natural course of a feeling is that it comes into us, we feel it, and then it passes out of us. But if we yeah. are not allowed to push it out or let it pass, it gets stuffed down. Well, your feelings weren't allowed, so all your feelings got stuffed down, so they've been eating at you from the inside. 
It's no wonder you had health issues. It's no wonder you had, and then by teens, 20s, 30s, you have to come up with some drug to numb the pain to go away. Well, I know in my hardest times, you know, alcohol was one of mine. Sleeping with the wives of other men and a few women, that was one of my drugs that made it go away. For some people, it's overworking. For some people, it's overparenting. For some people, it's pills. For some, it's gaming or swiping and scrolling excessively, you know, whatever. And so you've, maybe you found a drug, whatever your drug might have been or drugs, ways mm -hmm. to make that pain, to escape that lifetime of, of pain that your world had become. But here's the thing, yeah. escaping it versus actually solving it are two different things. And you going into therapy, you hitting rock bottom, and from someone who has been there, I know what it's like to hit rock bottom and to be there a long time. But you've been there since you were a child. Yeah. And so that needs to be gone back into. But what ne needs to really happen is the unlocking of that vault, because here's the thing. That seven-year-old you is coming to you now, holding that cigar box and saying, please open it. Please, I wasn't strong enough. They were more powerful than me. Please open it and let all of our feelings out. Please, so that we can finally be free. You're stronger than I am. I've been carrying it for 32 years. Please unlock it and let all the feelings out of the vault including the anger. Your seven-year-old self is begging you. And so here's the thing. If you don't allow it out of the vault, if you don't open that cigar box, if you don't let out the anger and the sadness and all of those feelings you've been running from your whole life, then now it's you re-victimizing that seven-year-old child. Now it's you saying to your seven-year-old self, no, I'm too scared. It would overwhelm me. It would be too scary. Now it's you letting mama win, letting your biological mama win, letting Willie C win, letting your older sister win. You are stronger. If we can insist that your mom at 25 or 32 should have known better than we can insist that you at 39 can do better in giving that seven-year-old a voice. And you never have to say anything to anyone. You don't have to change any relationship with anyone in order for you to heal. You don't need anything from anyone in order to heal. Just the courage to go down deeper and to begin asking yourself the question, what feelings am I not allowing out? What am I keeping down? And let me ask you one more question here, Christian. Mm -hmm. Of course. What's the uh, food group of feelings that you dislike the most? that you most dislike feeling? Is it the sadness feelings, the anger feelings, the uh, lethargy feelings? Is it the pride feelings? What are the feelings you dislike feeling most? I would have to say the sad. Mm. Over the course of your life, give me a percentage. What percentage of your life has been spent running from or avoiding feeling sad? I'd say a good maybe 80%. And what percent are you to this day and it may be different, maybe the same. What percent to mm -hmm. this day are you avoiding feeling sad? Say maybe like 60. 60%. Wow. 60%. Wow. You want to know where your healing is, Christian? It's right there. It's yeah. right there. You admit that you've got 60% sadness still in you. You admit it's the feeling you most hate feeling. And let me ask you this. And I, I said hate, you didn't say hate, but... Um, what is it about feeling sad that you hate so much? The vulnerability. Say more. Uh, of it. Um, because, I mean, if you're sad at home, you have a lock on your door, you're safe, there's no intruders. Um, 
what's the vulnerable? What are you vulnerable to? Um, what could hurt you? It makes me feel susceptible to hurt. To further hurt? To, to hurt more. Right. Yeah, to hurt more. Right. No, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. And this is the reason a lot of people give for not wanting to feel anger. Well, I don't want anger to consume my life or, um, you know, I don't want to feel the sadness because A, I feel weak and B, I love what you said. It may, I feel like it's making me open to becoming, to being susceptible to more weakness, more pain. And the truth is, it's just the opposite. That by continuing to run from that weakness, it fundamentally is a weakness to be running from it versus to face it to allow it out. It, and, and the truth is, when we allow our pain out, two things. It, it's strong to do it because I, I have had thousands and thousands and thousands of clients over the years or people I've met who don't want to touch their stuff. It's too scary. Well, that's an admission yeah. of weakness, and that's okay. It's that powerful. But the real strength is having the courage to turn and face it. And the more you get that weakness out, see, for your whole life, you know, over your lifetime, 80% you've spent running from the sadness. So you're operating from running from pain, right? But it's when you turn and face it and get all that pain out, then you become stronger because you're no longer carrying around that 500 pound bag of rocks on your back. So I'm going to tell you flat out where your real healing is, is having the courage to go into all the pain, go into all the sadness, allow yourself to feel weak. Because it is, the truth is when we're in our pain, we are weak. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. Yeah. I, and furthermore, you were a fucking child. You were weak. You were in the most vulnerable position and people took advantage of it and people hurt you and hurt you and hurt you. And all that pain in that vault has to come out. But here's what happens. You know who the strongest people are? The people who cleaned out their, the crud out of their love cup. The people who cleaned out their vault because they're not afraid anymore by the mere fact that you would go into it. It's a proclamation of strength. I'm not afraid of you anymore. I'm not afraid of this vault anymore. I'm going to do it. And yeah, okay, I am afraid, but I'm going to do it in bits and pieces anyway. And yeah. the more you let it out, the stronger you become because all of that, what you're so tired from is you've had a 500-pound bag of rocks on your back the entire time. And the fact that you've made it this long, God bless you. God bless you for it. But it's time to empty out that bag. You've been strong, but strong for the wrong reasons. So often we think being strong means I can endure more. I can endure more. Oh, I can take it. I can do. I can go farther. Real strength is standing up to it, and you can do this, Christian. And you have to do it for your own sanity. And you and you can do it on your own. Go back into my book. Read it again through new eyes. Of I got to challenge myself to go deeper. And I guarantee you, also as you go into more of the sadness. The anger is going to come out too. Let it come out. You don't ever have to change any relationship with anyone, but you do have to address the pain and the anger and everything and sadness inside. And remember that great quote from Oscar Wilde that I wrote in the book, and that is that no man is truly free until he can live as though his father is dead, or in your case, until she can live as though her mother, biological mother, her mama, and her sister are dead inside of you, regardless of whatever relationship you have in person, that inside of you, you finally slayed their parents because all of the, your parents, because all of the messaging inside of you is their bullshit. And you suppressing your own sadness and your own anger rather than just letting those train come into town, pass out, flush out, and then pass out of town. That's what trains do. That's what feelings do. You got to let those come right. up and just pass out of you. And there are fast ways of doing that. And I talk about some in the book beyond journaling. There are even faster ways and great tools for it. I want to ask you one final question, Christian. How are you feeling? What's going on inside of you right now? Um, 
uh, a little bit of sadness. Um, I was actually, I've been like stopping tears occasionally because I, I felt them kind of like come up. Um, That's sort of the metaphor of your life, isn't it? Stopping yeah. tears, stopping the feelings when they come up, right? Until they yeah. overwhelm you and you yeah. can't stop them. And what was the reason you didn't want to feel them today? Um, I think I'm, it, it's kind of like part of my social anxiety. Uh, you know, it's it it's one thing when you're just by yourself, mm-hmm. but I am like, you know, with another person, yeah. you're here. I hear you. <laughs> so, I hear you. Um, yeah. And so it's like that kind of part of my vulnerability. I just like, I can't, it's like, I can't allow it. Right. In a sense. And, um, and you hear me saying that you have to allow it for your own. I know. <laughs> and, and to me, crying is good. Letting the pain out is good. I cry all the time. My girlfriend cries all the time. It's a healing mechanism. That is what children did before you got corrupted and got told you can't cry. Crying is bad. Your feelings are bad. Do you know what you did naturally? That the natural, original Christian would cry when she felt hurt, when she felt sad, when she felt pain. That was your natural state. And so now you saying, no, 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 I don't want to cry. You're basically saying, I don't want to be who I really am. Mm. That's right. Mm. So yeah, and oh, the truth is the more you allow up that sadness, the more sadness is going to come because you're telling your soul, okay, I can take it. Give me another dose. Give me another dose. So yeah, you, this, is, this is not your natural state. You are suppressing your natural state. It is a child's natural state to cry. It is a child's natural state to say, no, it's not okay, I'm mad. It's a natural state. And you are suppressing yeah. your natural self and who you really are. And I want to encourage you to do just the opposite. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Any last words, Christian? Um, don't no, just thank you very much for allowing me to be here and let me be vulnerable. What was the biggest um, surprise for you today? Or the biggest epiphany? Either one. Um, I, I think the biggest one is the the amount of weight of um my grandmother's role in in a lot of the shit that I suffered yeah. and that I have. Well, and, th- um, and think about it, yeah. that she had written into the programming of you that she can do whatever she wants and she can dump all this weight on you and you can't say word one back to her. So you've been conditioned right. to believe that your feelings and your anger at her or your sadness over her, that you're not allowed to feel those. So she could simultaneously yeah. dump on you and know that you could never say shit back to her because she programmed you to, I'm more powerful than you and I raised you and you don't get to say shit to me. Yeah. Right. Time to change that. Now you understand the power of core beliefs and it's time to let the authentic you out. Would you agree with me on yeah. that? Yes, I would. I would agree very much so. Christian, you've been an amazing guest and I am so blessed <laughs> uh, with your openness. And I know all of our listeners, thank you for that. And we also wish you only the very, 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 very best in your healing and finally letting all of that out so that you, the real you, the authentic you from way back there can finally come out, the beautiful, wonderful girl that you've always been. <laughs> thank you very much. You're welcome. To everyone listening, thank you for tuning in to the Badass Counseling Show. On behalf of my producers, KC and Rob, I thank you for tuning in and have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. 
No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day. Thank you.